like intro podcast, you'll know that mm -hmm. um, data is my drug of choice. <laughs> and um, one of my favorite. Hello, and welcome to a special mini episode of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Do not adjust your sets, no change to our weekend schedule, just drop in a little something into the feed as we'll spend the next few weeks digging into Think Like a Brand, Not a Bank, a book written by my chum, Liz Hart. Don't be deterred by the Not a Bank bit, as I'll be on hand examining how the research and insights that Liz and her co-author Alison Netzer share in this book can be applied by other marketers. Who am I? I'm your host, Ian Trusker. I'm no rock star, but I've picked up a thing or two over the last 20 years on my turf from sysadmin, CMO and trusted advisor. And in a moment, you'll hear from Liz, who regular listeners heard on last week's episode, an insight ninja, marketing strategist, speaker and author, who has worked with some amazing brands that include Microsoft, Amazon and Dell, and more recently has focused on supporting startup and growth fintechs, banks and credit unions to embrace brand thinking. And has written a book about it. But first, some things don't change. We need to pay the bar tab. I'll be back in a moment. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. <laughs> Welcome back, Liz, to Rockstar CMO in our special little mini-series. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's um, it's Monday morning, always my best day. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, way earlier for you than it is for me as you're over there in Seattle. I'm in the UK, so um, splendid. Thank you very much for coming back. Um, as I mentioned in our last episode, uh, we are diving into your book, Think Like a Brand, Not a Bank. And I keep saying not like a bank, but I know that the actual title is Think Like a Brand, Not a Bank, right? And, um, and for people that uh, didn't listen to the last episode and uh, don't know you, Liz, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to um, steal your term, which um, I'm a seasoned uh, <laughs> marketing insight and brand strategist. I've kind of worked across most industries that mm -hmm. you could name across the years, really helping to create grow and amplify you know what some of the the world's kind of biggest brands uh, last kind of 18 months I've been focusing working on fintech and financial services which is really where I'm pretty passionate right now because I think there's lots and lots of good work to be done yeah yeah and I'd encourage people to listen to the episode I think um I think you kick off around minute 27 or something like that and uh, we learn a lot about your career and and also, I can't talk to you without mentioning Misha, obviously, as uh, <laughs> the time you work together. Um, if Misha's listening, hello. Um, uh, so you wrote this book, Think Like a Brand or Bank. Um, tell us, just give us a quick summary of, of the book, for the, again, for the people who didn't listen last time. 
Yeah, sure. So um, I wrote the book jointly with um, Alison Netzer, who's the CMO of Nimbus, which is a, mm-hmm. a you know a growing fintech in the the US market, specialising in uh, banking solutions. Mm-hmm. So the two of us have been spending a lot of time helping banks and credit unions to think about what kind of technology what kind of marketing, what kind of branding is going to really help them to compete in the market moving forward. We find ourselves having very similar conversations with pretty much every institution that we spoke to. So, A, we both had a kind of a bucket list item for writing a book. <laughs> yeah. We felt like there was some real fundamentals that we could share with the market based on the experiences that, that we both had um, over kind of recent years. Yeah, yeah. And um, thank you very much for for giving me a copy. I guess I, I should say, I mean, I would have bought a copy, obviously, Liz, if you hadn't have given me a copy. But as we're friends, it was very nice of you to give me a copy. And it really applies. I, th- I think it applies to more than banks, doesn't it? I think your experience of, of all the industries you've worked in seems to come through in the bank. And as we cover this mini series, I'll try and give a little perspective on, on what I picked up from it. And it's really accessible book. And you must be pleased with the feedback you're getting. I've seen some really nice stuff coming through on LinkedIn. And you, you got a nice review on Amazon I saw as well. Yeah, I think we've been um, really surprised. I mean, one of our goals when we were writing it was to, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but my, my bedside table is littered with <laughs> a, with a pile of books that I've read the first, you know, 100 pages <laughs> of and just have never quite got to 101. So our goal was to make the book really accessible, really mm. practical. So the idea was pick it up, have an idea and run with it. So we tried yeah. to keep it in that kind of tone. Yeah, absolutely. It's hugely readable. I think, I'm, yeah, I mean, that's that's really my take, I think, is the fact that the the first part of the title, Think Like a Brand, is really the focus, I think, of the book and, and not like a bank. I think the fact you've used banks and fintech as the use case here is really good. But as a B2B marketer in tech, I was taking so much out of it. I thought, I thought it was great. And you know, I know that I'm not recording video, but you know what my bookshelf is like behind me. So I, yeah. I, I can't claim to have read all of them. <laughs> so um, why does why, why does thinking like a brand matter? Um, I mean, the, the bottom line is it adds significant value to your business. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the things that really irks me is that, you know, even in kind of large commercial businesses, there's still a belief that brand is the soft and fluffy thing that it's mm-hmm. about you know your logo and your color palette and the visual identity that you have um, but it's like so much more mm-hmm. and I think one of the things that both Alice and I are very passionate about is this notion that brand is about your organizational behavior it's about everything you say and it's not about just kind of how you look to the world Right, right. Maybe that's where I should have started rather than asking you, why does thinking like a brand matter? What for you guys is brand? I mean, um, there's a number of different descriptions in there. Seth Godin, Jeff Bezos, everybody. What, which one do you subscribe to? Um, so one of the things that you'll note <laughs> that is we try to avoid using the phrase culture throughout the book. Right. <laughs> because when you start talking about things like changing a culture, it feels way mm-hmm. too big to do. Yeah. We talk about the 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 mission, the vision, the mm. purpose, 
And then the the people that are part of your organization, they are your brand. And your right. brand is everything you do and everything you say. Right, right. It's, and it's the promises you keep, isn't it? It's that whole yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So, so one of the things I uh, you, that smacks you right between the eyes almost immediately of opening the book and reading the first few pages is I love the way you've described like the value of brand. And you've mm-hmm. used some great stats there about how you know how brand makes a difference in terms of the stock market and stuff yeah absolutely so um i think for those who listen to the um the the first um like intro podcast you'll know that Mm -hmm. um data is my drug of choice (laughs) and um one of my favorite kind of eagerly awaited studies each year is the Cantar Mm -hmm. brands uh, survey where they they have a particular formula which takes a lot of things into consideration from financial performance to customer feedback to growth and they create a value a monetary value of the organization's brand so if you were to look at their top 150 most valuable brands in the world mm-hmm. and you compared that to the um the the S&P 500, then if you looked at the growth of those brands, that portfolio, let's imagine it's your investment portfolio, Mm -hmm. that is almost, it's 3.6 times more valuable than if you'd say taken a hundred bucks and invested it in the S&P 500. Right. Right. And if you were lucky enough to get the top 10, it would be 4.6. Yeah. Yeah. And you opened up with those stats. And I know that you're a data geek and that, and that mm-hmm. you're t- entirely driven by research. And so ob- it's an obvious place for you to start personally. But was that an important place to start for the industry you're working in, in terms of working with financial institutions, that in order for the people you're advising, the CEOs to pay attention, this data was really important? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, if you're sitting in a, you know, in a boardroom of a bank, if yeah. you can't talk about return on investment, you can't yeah. put a financial component into your conversations, you know, you're yeah. you're you're struggling from the start. Yeah. And that's always what we're I mean, a lot of that comes through uh, with the interviews that I have here on, on Rockstar CMO is is a lot of the CMOs or, you know, senior marketers that I speak to are always talking about how to um, put your project or your or what you're trying to do as a marketer into the context of what the C-suite cares about, right? And I think that you opening the book with this sort of value of the brand, comparing yourself with the, you know, with with the stock market, but also you also talked about ROI as well, didn't you? Quoted HBR in the book. Well, explain yeah. that again. Mm. This is one of my my favorite um, statistics out mm. there. Um, If you were to look at, and again, this is based on research. So if you were to look at people who were customers of the product and, you know, most people measure customer satisfaction or net promoter score. So if you were to look at the percentage that said they were very satisfied looking at a satisfaction Mm -hmm. scale, yeah. then their overall value, they'd be about 13% more valuable than a customer who wasn't, yeah? Right. But if you looked at someone that said they were emotionally connected, and that's a big part of the brand story, brand is about creating an emotional connection and engagement with your customers. They were mm-hmm. actually 52% more valuable than those that simply wow. said they were satisfied. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to have to include the links to these um, things in the show notes. That's that's an incredible status. And and it's true. I mean, we find that in our own personal lives, isn't it? The the brands that we care about, that we're going to shop with more, but also we're going to defend, we're going to Mm -hmm. support on. So, you know, we're going to talk to about with our friends. I mean, that's all part of that value, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you also talk about one of the things that's that's, that's core to, to me as well. I mean, you know me, I bang on about um, marketers should create art, awareness, revenue and trust. And I think trust is one of those central things. But of course, if you put anything but the A at the beginning of the acronym, it's it's either tar or rat, which is, which is terrible. <laughs> so I was talking about art, but I think trust is one of those important ones, isn't it? And that's what that's what we need to do when we're brand building. And especially in that industry you're working in. Tell us about that. The importance of trust. Yeah, I mean, if you think about you know banking and and trust, it's yeah. such a core thing. And you know, of yeah. all the the market research studies I've done in banking over the year, you know, being able to trust your bank is one of the the core things. Um, yeah. Again, for me, I, you know, second to my um, Cantor study, the other one that I always <laughs> look at is the Edelman Trust Index or Trust yeah. Barometer. Yeah. And one of the things that we pull out in the book, which to me is super fascinating, is that traditionally financial services, trust has been, you know, at the lower end of mm-hmm. the, the kind of the verticals that they measure. Yeah. But something really interesting happened during COVID. So those that are not familiar with um, the Edelman Trust Barometer, it breaks businesses or verticals into three categories it's distrust neutral and trust and if it's trusted that means that more than 60 percent express a trust for that sector okay right now financial services since 2012 has never made it into the um trust sector it's always been either distrust or neutral (laughs) all right But during COVID, something really interesting happened, which is that suddenly financial services made it just about, they missed by one percentage point. But in 2012, it was sitting at 44%. Mm. And then mid-COVID, it was right up at 59. So tantalizingly close to being in that (laughs) trust zone. Yeah. And what happened, though, is that it didn't last. Mm -hmm. And what financial services did really, really well during COVID was all of the PPP loans, all of the support that kind of came forward. I mean, this was particularly in the US market. And the banks were doing mortgage forgiveness. They were doing loan forgiveness. They were doing credit card forgiveness. You know, they really got behind the economic kind of challenges of, of, of COVID. Mm-hmm. But then they stopped. Right. And that's a really good example. Why I love this is that that says that making really big gestures mm-hmm. doesn't build no. long term trust. Right. Giving it's, people cash. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then what happened is that by January 2021, it's back down at 54. So right. it's it's basically all the gains that they made during great work in COVID mm-hmm. just wasn't sustainable. So right. that's why we really focus on the idea of having this holistic view of what your brand is. Because yeah. if you can create that mission, vision, and purpose that people can connect with, you'll see the ROI coming and trust will come with it. 
Right, right. And and that answers my first question. Why does thinking like a brand matter, right? It's about it adds value to your to to your stock almost, to yeah. the value of your company. It adds it has an ROI in terms of um, you know, re- revenue return, but also the trust is so ex- important to consumers and, and you'll get more from the consumers when they trust and like you, right? So thank you for that. And that's kind of sums up the start of the book anyway. And we're going to we're going to dive into it over the next sort of five um, little mini episodes. But I mean, I enjoyed the book. I'm a B2B tech marketer. Who else should read this book and, and what, what will they learn? So it's it's really interesting because obviously it it on the surface, it's for senior decision makers in banks in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously for marketers, although it's not written specifically for marketers, because one of the right. things that we talk about is that actually brand is not a marketing exercise. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot about, you know, getting the right stakeholders in the room. So senior decision makers, obviously in banking, mm-hmm. um, strongly focused at fintech um marketers and senior decision makers so if you think about fintech your your role is to bring amazing technology into the banking customer experience but if your banks are not ready Mm -hmm. to accept that if your Mm -hmm. banks are not aligned with more of a brand mindset then that's going to make your sales process really really difficult so right. for fintech people, there's a lot of good tips here on how to help your customers to right. be ready for your products. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. And then um, as and we're going to now go into like a, a little mini series of five little episodes. And we're going to look at each of the five principles that you bring out in the book. So just to cue that up, tell us about each of those five. What are the what are your five principles? This is this is always the test is whether I can um, remember them. It's a bit like, you know, when you did your spelling lists at school. And um, so let's Well, go. the other thing is, I mean, on a, on this show, we, we love a list and we, we've always got five effing something or others. Right? So I'm surprised okay. I haven't put an effing on it. So what are, what are your five principles? OK, so number one is sometimes mm-hmm. do the counterintuitive thing. Right. And, you know, the reason for that one is that when you work in a highly regulated industry like banking or fintech or health Mm. or, you know, wherever you've got, um, you know, very strict compliance things you need to deal with, then it can be really hard to innovate because things can feel wrong. Right. And if you keep doing the thing that just feels right, you're not going to (laughs) step out of your comfort zone. (laughs) Yes. And uh, yeah, and I enjoyed that part of the book. I think that's really applicable to all sorts of industries. And what's your principle number two? Is embrace tension and create contradictions. Mm-hmm. Um, as humans and therefore as leaders in organizations, you are conditioned to seek comfort. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the idea of feeling a little bit uncomfortable could suggest you're onto something. <laughs> right. That this is, this could, if it feels a little bit uncomfortable, maybe it's an innovation, maybe it's a breakthrough. So we talk a lot in that sort of section of the book about how to take small steps, how to get one step and a second step out of your comfort Mm -hmm. zone and Mm -hmm. start to just play around with things. 
Yeah, it must have been a huge challenge in that particular industry, not really renowned for its innovation. So what's um, what's principle number three? Uh, this is Q the Remix. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who's worked in innovation for a long time, there's still nothing that scares me more than a blank piece of paper. <laughs> right. And the idea behind this is if you look at, you know, the, the one of the, the good and bad things, particularly about the banking industry, is everybody does so much. Mm-hmm. There's hundreds of features, functions, products, marketing yeah. levers to pull. Yeah. But it's very easy to just get into the habit of, you know, selling things in a silo or doing things in a silo. Mm-hmm. The idea of Q the Remix is to say, let's take a really hard look at what you've got in your portfolio. Yeah. And what can you do differently with it? Right. Right. Yeah. I love that. And, and also, I mean, Q the Remix with a name like Rockstar CMO. I mean, yeah. I, lo- I love the title of that <laughs> principle anyway. That's, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so principle number four. So principle number four is remember product isn't what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So this really comes into the, particularly for younger generations, and comes back to the trust point as well, that people want to engage with organizations that share their value, that have a mission, that have a vision, and it's something that you align with. So for us, product isn't, you know, not percent credit card and isn't a 20-year mortgage. Product is what you stand for what you mean in the marketplace so again that's a really big mindset shift for organizations that are essentially very product driven yeah i look forward to digging into that because i come from an industry that's also very product driven so i look forward to that and finally the fifth principle okay so if i counted correctly (laughs) so you know you and i share a kind of a, a passion for the the beautiful game Mm-hmm. And um, Coach and Compose is about this idea that everybody needs a bit of coaching now and again. Mm-hmm. And just because you think your customers might not get it mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's a bad idea. Right. Because it's your job as an innovator, as a leader, to coach people through change. Yeah. And this yeah. idea of composing really great experiences if they don't make sense at first, but you know they're really good, you know they're rooted, maybe in solving a problem that yeah. people didn't even realize they had, Yeah. then you can get them there, but you can't yeah. without the coaching part. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a great five, I mean, the the way the book's structured, it's, it's a great the five principles. And I look forward to digging into those over the next five weeks and having you back, Liz. Um, so uh, next week, we'll cover the first principle. Sometimes do the counterintuitive thing, if I've got that correct. You right? have indeed. And, uh, and, I, and I look forward to joining you for that, Liz. I'll see you then. Sure. Thank you, Liz. I really look forward to digging into those topics over the next few weeks. I will, of course, include all the links we discussed, including to Liz's book, in the show notes, which you can find on your favorite podcast app or at rockstarcmo.com, where you can also find all our previous episodes. So that's a wrap on this special midweek episode of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Ian Truscott, and thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track, and jiving along with us. 
If you like this, or you have any suggestions, spin the dial on the interwebs and find us at rockstarcmo.com, on the socials as rockstarcmo, or email us at hello at rockstarcmo.com. I'll be back with our usual show on Saturday. I hope you again join us for that. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. And thanks again for listening to Rockstar CMO FM. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.